0: In the beginning you're asking the resident like okay cool what should we do now what should we do now what should we do now and then at some point they say what do you want to do now and i remember when that happened and i was like oh my god i, I know what i want to do because this is what we've done before
1: welcome back to that vet life joining me today is my friend and fellow 2020 grad dr danny sass if you dive into the podcast archives, you'll find the two previous episodes I recorded with Danny as we talked about our veterinary journey from graduation to the 6-month mark in our first year in practice. Though we've taken different paths as veterinarians, as I'm now in GP and Danny is completing his surgical internship, in today's episode we discover that there are a lot of parallels in how we have developed as doctors in this past year. Today's episode, we talk about the transition from student to autonomous veterinarian and how mentorship has played a large role in creating the confidence we now have in ourselves. This episode is absolutely jam packed, so let's jump right in. All right, well, Danny, thank you so much for coming back to the show. It's been, what, a right about a year, I think, since the last time we chatted, right?
0: Yeah, I think it was right around when COVID hit too. I think that was when we we did a lot of podcasts talking about all of our adjustments that we're making, but I think it was like towards the end of vet school. So now we're like actual doctors right now, which is crazy.
1: (laughs) We're doing real doctor things because I know there was, let's see, we did the episode like right at the beginning of COVID where we were still in that transition from student to doctor. And then I think we did another episode when we were both about five months into like practice. Just started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now here we are a whole year later. You're in another internship and mm-hmm. things look a little bit different than they did last year. But the main thing we wanted to focus on here today was like, what has happened for us professionally in the last year? How have we like grown and developed as practitioners in that time frame? Granted, I don't know about you, but it feels like it's just been a time warp this past year. Like it's, so much time has happened. So much has happened in such a short time. I even talked to clients. They're like like I don't know what like where the last 4 months went. And I was like, "It's just a time warp." And they're like, "Oh my gosh, yes."
0: <laughs> so, yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> let's go back to like where we were a year ago. So for you, like you're five months into your first internship, you're doing a rotating internship, things are bananas, like you didn't know when you were going to be able to sleep next. But (laughs) um, like, where were you like, where was your headspace at that time?
0: So last year was a huge, huge adjustment from learning to like, just what being a doctor means period, going from trying to just learn basics and get your, your foot in the door and really understand, you know, the basics of patient care and how to Just manage the normal process of what it takes to, you know, get an animal from admission to discharge and really understand that while just learning how to be a functioning doctor. And so I think there is a lot of really early stage growth and developing comfort with that. And then on top of like a super busy schedule, just like learning how to manage time period was a really, really a big challenge and, and a really big growing point. And then I think as the year went on, things shifted much more from what are the basic steps towards, okay, great. Like I know the basic steps, how can I make them better? How can I be more efficient with my time? How can I learn how to like truly manage this? What are the, you know, the decision-making processes and all the moving parts that happen in this system that now I understand, how can I contribute to that and make it better and continue to grow from that? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, going more from being the question asker and being like, you know, how do we do this? How do we do this? Towards being the one that's actually contributing to it and saying, okay, great, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. This is what I think we should do. And I think you develop very, very quickly in that first year, as you figure out, you know, the trends of certain management practices, when you get more comfortable at your assessment and you kind of see the flow of, taking care of an animal and getting them to from point A to point B. And then you can really start actually implementing something and trying to contribute rather than kind of trying to ride the wave that the patient would normally take. I think that was kind of my biggest transition, especially in my first year, was learning how to make those decisions and trying to improve it. I don't know if that was like a similar thing for you.
1: That was very similar. And as you were talking about it, I was like, you know, I think and talking with some other friends there's something that happens around month six of being in a new place yeah where that first six months you're just like exponential growth you don't like you literally feel like you're running on fumes all the time because you are you're constantly asking your mentors and other like everybody else in the practice like how do I do this how do I do that and what's the next step here and you feel so slow like you're chasing like trying to stay on top of things you're like I am never going to be good at this like I'm never going to be fast enough um, I'm never going to know the steps to put in place fast enough and and then something mm-hmm. happens around month six where things start to click and you're you kind of you think in your head, like, oh my gosh, am I getting this? Like you realize that you're not having to ask as many questions. You know what the next step is, you know what the next answer is before you even have to ask. Even if you do go and ask, you're just asking for confirmation of your or validation. And yeah. you get to that point and it almost seems to level off a little bit. You get this moment where you're like, Whew! (laughs) Like, did I just get to take a breath? Like, did that really just happen? And then of course you get to month i feel like month maybe nine ten closer to that one year it just like jumps up again you're like oh here we go i'm just gonna die again but (laughs) those first six months there's something that happens where you find that there's a big transition in how you as a doctor are able to practice and a lot of that i think is the autonomy that we suddenly realize we have i don't know about in an internship do you feel like you were given a lot of autonomy early on or did you guys were you forced to have a lot of hand holding like i what does that look like?
0: Yeah. And I think in a rotating internship, things are a little bit different. And this is definitely going to be variable based on where you do your internship. The place I went to, um, Animal Medical Center, had many levels above me. And so there was always a resident that was kind of my, you know, higher up. And then from there, there was the chief of that service. And there were often multiple services too. And so there were so many layers that there wasn't in a lot of situations there wasn't that autonomy there was always somebody who you could say or ask like hey what's our next step and so for us it was typically the resident that you would go to who would be like directly overseeing you and so there wasn't that autonomy if you didn't want to take it and i think that's that six month thing that you're talking about i think really really played into it where you're you know in the beginning you're asking the resident like okay cool what should we do now what should we do now what should we do now and then at some point they say what do you want to do now it's like this is your patient what do you want to do and i remember when that happened and i was like oh my god i okay i know i know (laughs) what i want to do because this is what we've done before yeah and i think in some situations that six month timeline holds true the the kind of difference that I found in my rotating internship, though, is because you're rotating, you have to pivot so many times. And so like, you'll go on surgery for our rotations were two to four weeks. And so you would go on surgery, you finally get your foot steady for like, after like week two or three, and then you have one week where you're kind of comfortable, you understand the flow of it. And then you rotate and you do a complete 180, and you go from surgery to like, internal medicine and it's completely different and then the same thing happens you get a couple of weeks where you're, you're getting a hold of it towards the end of it you get it slightly comfortable and then you're like okay off to radiology you know and so i felt like my comfort level came from when i came back to those services similar for emergency you know you rotate for a month and then you come back to it and i felt like on my second pass of those rotations was when i felt a lot more comfortable in understanding the flow of it And I think ER is where I felt my autonomy finally showing because it's such a fast-paced environment that there wasn't always a person above me to say, hey, what should we do next? Because you already had 10 patients piling up. And so that fast-paced environment made it so you had to just make those decisions and basically make the decision Trust your gut and then confirm that what you did was a good idea with your higher up once you get a chance to breathe. And when uh, those decisions were right, you were like, okay, cool. Like, you finally are getting it. And when they're wrong, you're like, oh, crap. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs>
1: you're like, I'm just going to go crawl in a hole now.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then you have no time to crawl in that hole. They're already like, get out there, see the next yeah. case. We've got 15 things waiting.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can see how there's a lot of value in like a trial by fire scenario. But at the same yeah. time, That can only really be truly successful when they've put the building blocks in front of you. And then suddenly that trial by fire is where you are responsible for throwing it all together and kind of realizing, Mm -hmm. you know what? They did give me what I need to succeed. It's up to me to actually use it and put it into play.
0: Yes, for sure. And I I think I needed that foundation before I was comfortable making those decisions too. Because I specifically remember going from internal medicine onto emergency. And so I had an entire month of just like, diagnostic workups reading up on cases like getting this really strong foundation for how certain diseases work and their presentations and management of that and what that entire timeline looks like and then i was thrown into er where i saw them at the first stage of those diseases and i was like oh i know where this is going i can set these patients up now so that when they go on to internal medicine the next day they have all the diagnostics ready so like once you saw the full picture and you finally saw that full timeline, I think that's when it made it a lot easier. Whereas on like my second rotation, like period, I think I was on ER very early on, I didn't know what that full picture looked like. I was like, what is a workup for, like how do we manage pneumonia here? Like yes, this dog has pneumonia. Great, but like what things is the internist going to want to do tomorrow? What should I do now to make that easier? And so without seeing that full picture, it was really hard to make those decisions. And so that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of the question asking came from, where I was like, hey, what should I do now? What should I do later? How should I set this patient up?
1: And so would you say in this last year, granted, now you're not in a rotating internship, but in this last year is where a lot of the skills of, all right, I need to be able to think not only of like the short term, but also of five steps ahead. And how is what I'm doing right now going to set up for success in those next five steps? And that's not something that we ever are taught in vet school. There's not enough time to teach us that in vet school. So how do you feel like your internship last year set you up for success so that you could basically learn how to do that? Like, how do you think they did that?
0: I think it's a lot of what kind of atmosphere you do best in. So like, for me, I always learned by doing, by seeing and so i think my internship last year was like such a great foundation for me because it had such a huge case volume that i was able to see all of those patients all of those cases from step a all the way to step b and when they came back how we managed that and so being able to see that clinical picture like five separate times for like every single disease you could think of makes it so that when you're on the other side and you're on the diagnostics part of it. So say a dog comes in, I'm at an orthopedics place now, but say a dog comes in and we're concerned for pneumonia or we're concerned for like immune-mediated polyarthropathy, like even though on, at an orthopedics practice, you're not gonna be the one managing that IMPA, you're gonna refer to an internist, I still know what the internist is going to have to do. I still know what diagnostics are going to be helpful. So I can say, all right, like, let's just get these joint taps done now so that they have that information and they can work with that and manage it at your practice. You kind of see the pattern very early on. And I think that's what really helps you when you're, when you're referring things to is you you know what that person's going to do because you've done it and you've been a part of that already. And so I think, seeing the full picture so many times is what really, really helped build that foundation for me. And, you know, makes now a lot easier.
2: Now, just before we get on with the show, a quick word from our sponsor, which is the Thrive community from us here at Verex. If you're struggling with managing time, feeling like you're an imposter or burning out, then you need to make a change. The good news is you are not broken. You're not a bad fit for the profession much more likely you are missing some super important foundational skills no one is teaching at university. Skills that you will learn as part of our Vetex community. The Thrive community is a race accredited professional skills course where members receive training, toolkits and one-to-one coaching to develop these skills. So join hundreds of other vets who've changed their careers for the better as a Thrive member. To learn more and find out if the class is a good fit for you, Visit vetxinternational.com today. Now back to the show. So I hope you enjoyed part one. Now we're going to get back to part two of That Vet Life podcast. Over to you, Mo. You
1: get to see that bigger picture overall and see it from those different Mm -hmm. angles, which again, that's not something that I necessarily get to see in general practice, except for the fact that I do occasionally see Like when they first present for emergency because our emergency hospitals are so backed up that I have been handed a couple of them and I'm like, oh, gosh, I have to like go look up what I need to do and call the IDEX internist to get a second opinion and then instigate therapy and then call the ER or five different ERs to be like, someone please take this patient because it's beyond (sighs) what I'm capable of providing here at this hospital get them shipped off, get them stabilized, and then they ship them back to me in general practice. And then from there, it's learning from the records that they sent. So trying to do things that way. But I guess it's like seeing the picture, but from a different angle in in general practice. And it's going to be different depending on which general practice you go to. I'm lucky enough to have digital radiography and ultrasonography and all of the – some bells and whistles at just a GP. So I can do a little bit more of a workup. But I think – it's just like you said like being able to see things from different angles and see them multiple times is what has allowed me to go from where i was at that 6 month mark to now a year later so a year and a half into practice and i'm able to think okay this is the presentation this is the type of diagnostics that i want to run a because it's the most financially friendly for this client we can get the most information with the fewest number of needle pokes per se and then that'll be the information that the next person say i'm sending into er or I'm sending them straight to internal medicine, that this is what they'll need to continue their workup. So in a way, it's trying to prepare things so that you can have a more collaborative approach with the other veterinarians that you'll be working with. But on a separate note, kind of pivoting our conversation, from that six-point mark to now, it's definitely a different type of lifestyle that we've had to live, different hours um, for you going from rotating internship to now just being in surgery. But how did you take care of yourself at that point? Because, of course, you're sleeping weird hours, you're working weird hours, mm-hmm. you're stressed out the wazoo with the type of like the number of patients that you were trying to save their lives and just trying to manage. And, um, like, what did you do at that point to take care of your physical and emotional, like, well being? And how did that transition to how you take care of yourself now?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it's about A, recognizing that you're just not going to have ample time. And so, I think you almost become very accustomed to working to make sure you're taking that time. And so I think a lot of it came from time management, honestly, because I would still, you know, you work say like six days a week, you only have that one day, but on your one day off, you still have stuff you're going to have to do. Like I'll still have paperwork that I have to work on, but you also then have to recharge and you have that one day to do it. And so I think it, really forced me to learn how to use my time really really efficiently and although my one day off wasn't as relaxing meaning like i couldn't just like sit on the couch all day and just be like okay like i'm gonna do literally whatever i want right now you have to you know make an active effort to fit in that time to recharge and so i'll be like okay i'm not gonna sleep in i'm gonna still set my alarm in the morning i'm gonna get up I'm going to bang out all my paperwork so that I'm done by this time. And then at this time, I'm going to make sure that like my day is open and I'm not going to just sit down and do nothing and just go on my phone. I'm going to, I'm going to call this friend. I'm going to speak with my family. I'm going to take a walk with my dog. I'm going to make it like an extra long walk so that I feel that much better. I get outside last year i wasn't able to really go to the gym just because of my location and COVID things but you know this year again i can do that and so i'll say like you know i have this one day i'm gonna make sure i go to the gym and i'm gonna put that time in and make an effort to do something that's gonna make me feel that much better the next day and so i think a lot of uh, time management honestly was the the biggest thing that i started implementing into my time off where i felt like historically or previously I'd have a couple of days and I'd just be able to be like, all right, great. Like I'm done with work. I don't have other stuff I have to work on two days are just going to pass. And I'm going to feel recharged by the end of it, where last year I felt like the work never really ended. And so you have to set those firm boundaries for yourself. Of, These are the hours I'm going to work. These are the hours I'm going to relax and stick to it because you know, the value of your off time too, not just the work time that you're, you're putting in. And I think you take a lot of that efficiency or that, that planning with you, even when the circumstances change. And so from last year, having again, super busy schedule this year is still super busy. I just have a little bit more time and my, my role in the hospital has changed a little bit. And so you kind of divvy up your time slightly differently, but you still have the very demanding schedule to work with. And so even though I'll have like an extra day off, I'll still have I'll have far more owner callbacks to do. I have a lot more paperwork because of my position within the hospital, and so I'll say, okay, great, I'm gonna do all my owner callbacks now. I'm gonna read up on my cases tomorrow, like, and you you really build and you take those building blocks of learning to be efficient with your off time, and you apply it now to just a, a different scale, truly.
1: No, I think that's something that a lot of uh, veterinary students should be taking on on board right now because I feel even in vet school, like that is when you have the most flexibility to figure these type of things out, to figure out how to be intentional with your time so that you can say, all right, even if like this is the weekend, like you have to schedule time for studying in vet school. You have to schedule time for your physical health, for meal prepping, if that's something that you do, for taking care of your relationships. That's something that I feel – A lot of people ignore in their vet school days, but like that is the time that you have the most flexibility. So, set up like practice, like giving time to certain things. And then, when you transition into practice, and those first six months are super, super crazy, and you don't even know when you're supposed to eat or sleep you've at least practiced some of these skills in vet school so that it'll carry you through those first six months. And then from there, you can get a little bit more stability and figure out how exactly you need to shift things to get those subtle nuances so that you can have sustainability in your practice life, I guess. Because even like in internships, I get it. Like It's a year. It's super, super compressed. It's super hard. But you know that it's not the rest of your career <laughs> you know that it's it's yeah. pretty much that <laughs> <Thank> craziness <God. laughs> yeah right <laughs> you're like oh my gosh but at the end of that year you, you can take a step back and take a, a deep breath and you're like okay now i've set myself up for success and how i've been intentional with my time then so now pivoting into your new role you've been able to say all right i already did it when things were super super hard now i have a little bit more time i can actually like divvy this time up a little bit more to give more time to your relationships, to give more time Mm. to finishing your notes, to give more time to whatever you want, to like walking your dog. But it really will set you up for success if you just practice it now in vet school. It really will. It doesn't seem like an easy thing, but you just have to be intentional with it. So yeah, that's my TED talk on that.
0: (laughs) No, and it's definitely true. And I, I remember this very, very specific conversation I had with my mentor. When I was in vet school and he was uh, he's in GP, he mentored me from like high school all the way, like still, honestly. And he had just had a baby and it was like absolutely like drowning in busyness. And I remember talking with him, and we like went out to dinner or something like that. And he goes, You never get less busy, you just get better at being busy. And he goes, I remember I was a vet student and I was like, okay, you finished vet school. And you're like, well, I was a vet student. Like, I'm never gonna get more busy than this. I can handle whatever comes up. And then he starts his first year of practice and he goes, oh my God, this is ridiculous. Like, this is so much busier than before. I can't even imagine how this is even possible. But then he finishes his first year and he goes, okay, great. Well, I finished my first year. It's never gonna get more busy than this. But then he has a kid or no, then he got married and he's like, okay, well now now I have like a relationship. Like we're actually like, we're doing life things, we're setting up our life, we're in a house, we're doing all this stuff. Great, early stages are done. Can't get busier than this. And then as a kid. And it, like, it just, you keep on adding on these things. The circumstances never change, but you just get that much better at juggling, basically. You can cram more and more and more <laughs> into your life and, and still keep all those pieces afloat as you continue to adjust it. And, and looking back, you know, I'm like, oh my God, like I had all this time in vet school. Like how on earth? i feel like that was ridiculous like i was like i was like literally just studying all day but granted i was like oh, i was just studying i still had time to go to the gym all the time but you feel you feel so so busy because you haven't experienced step b yet and in hindsight you know i think it's really good to know that you can do a lot of stuff to set yourself up for the future
1: that sounds like a mentor that everybody needs and like that explains it so perfectly. Like you just, you don't know because you haven't experienced it yet. But if you plan on this idea that, you know what, it's never going to get easier. You're never magically going to have a ton more time, but you can set yourself up for success with how you are managing your time. Now, when things like, honestly, if you're in vet school, you have so much time, you just don't realize it until you're like, 5 years out and you're like, "Man, I yeah. wish I could go back to vet school just for the amount of time I had." Oh man, vet school was that was an interesting time. Just a little bit of memories there. But on the topic of mentorship, that would be kind of like the where we can round this part of the conversation up. Like, how do you feel that the mentorship that you've received has changed in the last year?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or I guess a different way to ask it is how do you feel what you've needed out of mentorship has changed in the last year?
0: Yeah. And so I think a a lot of the goals of my mentorship early were like, what should I do? It was a lot of asking them what my next step should be to get to where I'm trying to get to. And so just like learning how to be a doctor and, and asking the residents, I was always like, what should I do next? What do I do? Where now it's so much of, okay, I have my path laid out. I know what my next steps are. How can I do this the best way possible? How can I accomplish my step B in the most efficient way? And so I think a lot of my conversations with mentors have been like, hey, you know, I've been doing XYZ, but like, how do you feel like I could do it better? How can I manage this a little bit better than what I've done so far? Or like, what changes can I make to my treatment plan or, you know, addressing this? issue with somebody or with myself or with my patients, because you have your, your problem identified, you're better at recognizing what your steps are, and what your roadmap is. But then it's on improving it. And it's, it's more nuanced mentorship, or not nuanced, because I think that devalues it, but it's, it's mentorship on improvement, rather than mentorship on getting from what step A and step B are. And I think that's what I relied on a lot in the beginning uh, was like, okay, great. Like what things should I cover in my personal statement for residency? And it was a lot of what, 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 and now it's like, okay, great. How can I write this personal statement to exemplify this? How can I manage my patients in a better way to get them to the next step? So it's just taken a little bit of a slight rotation in the goals of those conversations, more focused on, improvement rather than identification of the next thing because you're at a different stage in being a doctor you're at a different stage in being an intern and you have your responsibilities and your goals completely shift from year one to year two
1: your questions are a bit deeper and a little bit more detail oriented than they were so, in, the, in yeah. the beginning where things were like big picture like what is the next step? What is the problem here? And now you're like, I know what the problem is. I know kind of what the direction I need to go, but I need like more specific guidance.
0: Yeah. And I need to like cite from your previous experience that yeah. you've, you've gone through that and you've gone through that development a lot more and you know where I am right now. You know, you understand the position I am in this practice in management of this patient. How did you go from where I am now to what I'm going to be in a year from now?
1: And do you find that you have like a more varied, I guess not more varied, but you have mentors in different areas now than in the beginning, where in the beginning, it was just kind of like, I have my mentor, he's here to make sure I don't fall flat on my face (laughs) and keep going. But now you find that at least for myself, I have like different mentors in different areas of my life that I can go to because I realize there's so many different things that are going on. So is that similar for you?
0: I think so. Yeah, I I think you're kind of alluding to it too, I think having the mentors that are closest or most representative of whatever stage in your life you're going for, what advice you're looking for. And so I think for a lot of like my specific intern slash like resident based questions that I have on management of patients in this stage with my responsibilities, I think I tend to go to the mentors who are more integrated or more much closer to that Time frame, like, I go to my mentor who, you know, has been a surgeon, but only for a couple of years. And she still very, very much remembers being a resident being an intern, she worked with interns and residents. So I go to her for those questions versus if I'm like, you know, lifestyle management, I'm like, what should I do with this situation in my life, I have my mentor that I'm, I've known him for my entire life, and I'll go to him for that. Versus if I'm just like, I just want to learn like how crazy this can get. Then I go to, you know, my other mentor who's been in practice for 20 years. Right now he's the owner of the practice that I work at right now. And he has that experience and that kind of global picture. And he's seen everything across the entire spectrum, but he's also far more removed from my stage of life in my kind of journey towards getting to where he is. So. Sometimes asking those questions don't really resonate so um, so true when I ask him versus when I ask my mentor, who's you know a very new surgeon, too.
1: There's so much value in those different levels. And honestly, I think that'd be where we should end today's episode and, and save the rest of that conversation for the bonus content that people can go and listen to. Before we end this episode, I want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about like where you are exactly in your stage of your internships and any kind of um, social media shout outs that you want to do for here at the end. Because this has been, as always, like such a fun episode because I know like we're coming from different aspects, but we're still like the same level of like since yeah. graduation. So just uh, seeing life through a different lens. So thank you so much for coming on to the episode today. But before we go, what would you like to share with the people?
0: Awesome. And yeah, again, I absolutely love talking with you about this stuff because as you said, we're in the same stage of life. But our paths are so, so different, but kind of also following parallel. It's not like I'm in like lab animal medicine and you're in general practice and we're dealing with completely separate issues. We're just seeing things from different sides of patient management. And we're both feeding each other cases like, you know, between our respective professions, you know, I'm working on my side to be able to make the GP able to manage this. And similarly for you, you get the patient and you're like, okay, great, we're going to send you to a specialist. And so it's so cool being able to compare their perspectives, but we have very similar ones at the same time. So, right now, in terms of my life stage, so I'm doing a specialty surgery internship um, in orthopedic surgery and sports medicine. So, I completed my rotating internship last year, that's a one year program. And now I'm doing a specialty surgery internship and the goals of doing that are to prepare you for a residency. And so each subsequent internship you're applying to, so you have to do what's called the match application and you apply to internship and residency programs and they basically tell you where you're going to go the following year. And so that application for us, it's due in January. We find out in February where you match to, whether you match to a surgery internship or you've been fortunate enough to match the residency, which is kind of the ultimate goal. So I'm in that process right now. And, you know, based on where I get matched, I will be moving to X place in the country to start my next life stage, either doing a second surgery internship or doing a a three-year residency program in surgery. And then kind of while doing all that, you're basically just doing additional stuff to try to get from step A to step B. So doing things like research outside the clinic and, and kind of managing your surgery internship duties
1: and where can people find you on the socials
0: yeah you can always find me on instagram i think that's basically my most popular thing and so on instagram at dr period danny sack d-a-n-n-y s-a-c-k and you can always reach out to me over there that's probably the best <laughs> the best uh way to get in contact with me i don't really use the my facebook page too often i do have a website but you can see the link in my bio for that one if you want to go through that and that just has content that i'm up to i always link to any interviews so like this one i'll put on there as well as any sort of like research i'm involved with you can kind of follow along with that if you are interested
1: Awesome. And I highly recommend if you guys have any questions about internships or residencies, please talk to Danny, not me. I know nothing about it. Danny is the person to go to. It's <laughs> information will be linked in the show notes. But I want to invite you guys to hop on over um, to Vedex International and so that you can check out the bonus content because we're going to talk about mentorships. So, <laughs> woo. so yeah, Danny, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. But until next time, guys, see ya. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also, don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the Vedex community for free to get access to a bonus version of this show you'll also get some free swag and many many other amazing benefits also leaving a review of the show on itunes would be greatly appreciated because again it just helps get the word out but until next time y'all i hope you enjoyed this episode of that Fat life